I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. What do you hear? What do you say? Welcome, everybody, to episode 153 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, I have a very special guest for you guys today. If you're a little bit confused by my introduction there, that was, of course, James Cagney, who is my favorite actor of all time. And today I have with me a first-class father who portrayed Cagney on the stage in New York City. He co-wrote and created Cagney, the musical. Robert Creighton is here with me, and he'll be joining me in just a minute. Robert is currently performing in Disney's Frozen on Broadway, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Please stick around for the interview. I was introduced to James Cagney at a very young age. My father, who had me when he was 50 years old, he used to be a stand-in for Eddie Fisher back in the day, and he's the reason why I love all the classic movies. I have already introduced Cagney to my kids, and he was my favorite of all time. And for those of you who have maybe never heard of James Cagney, I would definitely recommend uh, reading his autobiography, Cagney by Cagney. It's a phenomenal book. Uh, He is known for being one of Hollywood's tough guys. He played a gangster in so many pictures, and just the way he fires a gun in the movie, he doesn't with such finesse and with such passion that it really it looks like he's trying to throw the bullets out of the gun he's the best actor that i've ever seen i love all the pictures he did my favorite cagney movie of all time is angels with dirty faces where he plays rocky sullivan his most famous movie i would say is yankee doodle dandy where he plays broadway legend george m cohan that usually airs every fourth of july so i'm sure you've seen that or heard of it at least I always get a chance to stop by and see Jimmy at the cemetery. He's buried in the same cemetery in New York as my parents, which is the Gate of Heaven Cemetery. Uh, Whenever I go to see my mom and dad, I always swing by and say a little prayer for Jimmy and his wife who were buried there. I also always go and say hello to uh, Babe Ruth, who's buried in the same cemetery as well, on a little side note there. Uh, But he was also born on the same day as my mother, which was July 17th. So there's a lot of connections there with uh, Jimmy. He is definitely my favorite actor of all time. I am a huge fan of his. And uh, he was just a street kid who took nothing from nobody, but he could dance like Fred Astaire. He was so talented. He could carry a tune with the best of them. So um, if you haven't ever heard of him, I highly recommend you go check him out. So James Cagney has a very special place in my heart. And today's guest, Robert Creighton, is a very big Cagney fan as well. So this interview means a lot to me. I could easily do an entire podcast here with Robert just discussing Cagney. But we're here to talk about fatherhood. So let's get to it. And stay tuned because at the end of today's podcast, I'm going to be dropping a name of one of the bachelors who's going to be joining me here next week. In honor of next week's finale of The Bachelor, I'm going to be having two bachelors on the show. Well, one was actually the winner on The Bachelorette. The other was on both Bachelorette and became The Bachelor. So uh, I'm going to drop one of those names at the conclusion of today's episode. So please stick around for the entirety of today's show. So keep it locked in, you dirty rats, for the interview here with Robert Creighton. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Regards to Broadway, remember me to Herald Square. Tell all the gang. At 42nd Street, and I will soon be there. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. 
All right, and joining me now is a first-class father. You can see him performing in Disney's Frozen on Broadway, which is currently playing at the St. James Theater in New York City. He also wrote and starred in the off-Broadway production of Cagney the Musical. It is so cool for me to say, Robert Creighton, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks, Alex. It's fun to talk to you. Okay, here we go. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I got two kids. I got a seven-year-old boy. R.J., Robert James Creighton III, my dad's number one, I'm number two, and he's number three, and uh, daughter Samantha, who's five. Okay, very cool. One and one. What type of uh, sports or activities are they into? Um, well, you know, I grew up in Canada, so I'm a big, uh, a big hockey fan, major hockey fan, sort of a religious thing for us. And um, uh, they're both skating at the moment, which is really fun, and they both love that. Uh, my little girl does gymnastics twice a week, started out a, a couple years ago, actually, and just, you know, dipping her toe, but she's pretty good at it. So they invited her to come to this next level thing. So she goes for a couple hours twice a week and, and that, and she's a ham like her dad. So she's uh, in a musical theater class too, singing and dancing. And my son, um, he's, he's played quite a few different little sports, soccer, he's in a soccer program, he's in a little t-ball program. But you know what his big thing is? Art. He's a visual. He draws and uh, um, creates things and paints, and he's got a real gift that he did not get from uh, uh, my wife or, or me. Um, he's really got something, and we've been seeking out opportunities for him to develop that. But artistic things are his, his real uh, passion at the moment, and it's pretty cool to watch. That's awesome. Now, do you get in there and coach at all with the soccer teams, or do you enjoy it more from the sideline? Well, I, you know what? I haven't done that yet, but I, I absolutely look forward to that. Um, like that, even before I had kids, that was something I always thought I'm really going to enjoy, and I will do that um, as we go along. My, uh, what I do for a living is a, it's a wacky schedule, um, and so it's made it a little challenging so far, but. Uh, but I, I will figure that out as we go because I really want to. Okay, please, Robert, take just a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. So, uh, well, right now I'm, I'm playing the bad guy in Frozen on Broadway. I play the Duke of Wessington in, the, uh, in Disney's Broadway production of Frozen, which I'm having a lot of fun doing. Um, and primarily I'm a, a stage actor. This is my eighth Broadway show. I've been very fortunate to uh, always what I dreamed of doing as a kid, so I get to make a living doing exactly what I moved to New York to do. So I'm really consciously grateful for that and uh, done a bunch of episodic TV stuff that shoots in um, New York, had a recurring part in The Good Fight, the CBS streaming show um, in the first season. And uh, yeah, so I, I make my living as an actor. And right now when I say my schedule is wacky, there are eight shows a week that we do um, – you know, six days, eight eight shows a week. So it's a lot. Uh, and you and I um, have a connection. We we uh, when we were setting this up, I know you're a big James Cagney fan. My big dream as an actor was to create a story about um, a, a musical about James Cagney, the, one of the great film legends of all time from the 30s and 40s and even 50s. And uh, that was the before Frozen. That was the last thing I did in New York. We ran for 14 months. 502 performances off-Broadway um, in this James Cagney musical. And now we just announced Friday that we're, uh, we go to Utah in the fall with an expanded cast. Instead of six in the cast, there'll be at least 12 now. 
and we're uh, planning to bring it back to New York to a Broadway theater in the next year. So very excited about that. Yeah, that would be amazing, Robert. I can't believe they have not made a major motion picture yet about him. So uh, more on him in just a second here. When did uh, fatherhood come into the picture for you here, Robert? And how did fatherhood kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, you know, um, kids are seven and five, as I said. And my wife and I will have been married 10 years later this year. I, But long before I became a dad, I mean, even as a teenager, I always knew I I dreamed of having a son, and I, I always wanted to name him Robert James Creighton III. Thankfully, my wife was amenable to that because that was something that I always had thought of. And uh, we started pretty early in our marriage, um, you know, wanting to have children. We had a couple of years, and then and then RJ came along. And I still remember, I live in New Jersey on the cliff looking at the city, and my wife and I went for a walk uh and we sat she we sat down on a bench at one point looking just looking at the city and I said, What a glorious day and she literally said she said, Well, I'm about to make it more glorious. You're gonna be a dad. She said it's just like that and I stood up and was like, Don't lie to me. Is that true? Are you telling me the truth? Okay. And I was I was um beyond excited. Uh so that was my first moment of knowing I was gonna be a dad and then it changed. you know it's a cliche to say it changes everything, but it really does. I mean, especially as an actor, you know, I'm always hustling and thinking about my career and, and me and, you know, it's a very sort of, I'm the product when you're an actor, you know, so it's, it is by nature a too much focus on yourself and having a kid uh, instantly shifts the priorities, instantly shifts the perspective, instantly shifts the focus. Um, and for me also instantly, I was always motivated, but I'm definitely motivated now because I, I want to create a life for my kids, um, that, that, uh, they can have the opportunities that I had, you know, um, growing up to develop my talents and stuff like that, which means I have to keep working and keep moving forward so they can have that kind of life. So it's definitely motivational too. Yeah, and it really is something that's so hard to explain because fatherhood really needs to be experienced to be understood and appreciated. Totally, Alec. And the other thing is, I always say, it's the one thing that can never change in your life. Like once you're a father, you're a father. I mean, you can you can get married and be a husband, but a lot of people get divorced and then you're not a husband anymore. You can be an actor, uh, but you can you can... That can change in a heartbeat. You know, everything else is temporary, really, when you boil it down. But once you're a parent, you're once you're a dad, even no matter what your relationship is like with your kid or what, but you're always a dad. And um, <clears throat> that's something that I love, you know, and I, um, it, it, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And now it's so fun as they get to be five and seven and I'm starting to see what their passions are and what they're interested in and, and having conversations you know, where their, their, their perspective, their perspective on the world is starting to form. And, and, uh, I love that part. I took my little girl yesterday for, for Christmas. I gave them each these three little, I call them daddy coupons that I made up. So they, they get a daddy date for breakfast, for an ice cream, for an ice cream date, a breakfast date. And then my son and I both love movies, so he got he got a movie date, and she got a Starbucks date because she thinks that's really fancy whenever she gets to go to Starbucks. So <laughs> yesterday morning we went on our Starbucks date, 
left uh, my son and my wife here, and and uh, and I asked her, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a cooker. I, I said, do you mean a chef, like a chef? She said, yeah, I want to be a chef. And um, and then she said, I want to cook restaurant food. To her, that meant fancy food. I want to cook restaurant food and give it to all the poor people in New York City. And I was like, and you could, she couldn't have said anything that made my heart happier because I was like, yeah, you're you're getting it, you know. And she's uh, she's got a real perspective on the world. And I said, and we live in an apartment now. I said, what do you what are the, when we get a house? What would be the three things that you'd like in a house? And she said, uh, a dog, <laughs> first thing, which we don't have, a backyard, and uh, and then I coached her and said, how about a pool? And she said, yeah, a pool. So. Um, but anyway, my point to that is now they're getting old enough to have these conversations and learn about their perspective on the world as it's forming. And, and you're trying to, in a way, you know, when I thought about being a dad, too, I always thought about, um, you know, helping them to mold, to mold their mind and to teach them the things that I believe are important in the world and those kind of things. And then really what you learn as you go is there, of course, there is that, but also they're, they end up teaching you the things that you need to learn in your life. You know, like to increase your patience and to, um, you know, be able to put their needs before your own, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the teaching really goes both ways in a, in a very big way. Yeah, well said. All right, I have to be honest with you here. The first time I saw the coming attraction for the movie Frozen, I thought it was going to be a big flop. It turned out to be one of the highest grossing Disney movies of all time. The highest grossing Disney movie, the highest grossing animated movie of all time, yep. That's why I'm not a movie critic. What is it like for your kids, Robert? I mean, it's got to be exciting for the kids to have their father playing in Frozen, but how do they feel about you being the villain, and uh, have they seen the play, and do they give you any kind of uh, criticism about your performance? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, they've seen it four times. We were we were out of town uh, in Denver for a few months. Um, Disney took the show and played it in Denver before we moved to Broadway. And uh, actually, my wife resigned from her job. She did a great job in advertising. Eric resigned that June so she could come out. We didn't all want to be apart that long, so they came out. And it was wonderful. They got to know the cast, and they came to see the show several times out there. Um, and then we got to New York. They were there for the very first night, the very first preview. And, they, and then they came on Father's Day uh, last June, which was great. So they've only seen it twice in New York. They want to come all the time, but I said you can either – you could come every night and we could live in a cardboard box and, you know, eat ramen noodles or you can come once in a while and we can actually have a home to live in because we don't get comps for the show and Broadway is expensive. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they, they, I think they love that I'm in it. They're getting old enough now where my son will say, Daddy, do you have to go to work tonight? Or, you know, sometimes because you get a different job so you're not gone. <laughs> at night, you know, because I five nights a week, I'm not here putting them to bed. So I'm here Sundays and Monday nights. We have a Sunday matinee, and then my weekend is sort of Sunday night, Monday, and then I go back to work Tuesday night. Um, but aside from that, those moments, they understand that that's what I do, and that's my schedule. We, we carve out a lot of other time. Um, but I think they love that I'm in it. They, they, uh, they're friends at school. Some of them have seen it, and so the you know, the moms get very excited about it and stuff like that. It's, uh, and they get, I think they get a kick out of that. Um, but yeah, they, they would go every night to see it if they could. They, they enjoy it. And I, I like taking them to the theater, not when they're, um, seeing the show, but just backstage and stuff and getting to know actors are a lot of fun. So they kind of run around 
occasionally to the dressing rooms and say hi to people and stuff like that. And they've, uh, that, that's a really fun thing to be able to expose them to. Yeah. So cool, Robert. All right. Many parents have kids out there who are aspiring actors. What type of advice do you have for the parents of kids out there who are really trying to make it to the great white way? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a hard, it's not an easy road because it's like sports, you know, I mean, there's so many kids who dream of being a professional athlete or a professional actor on Broadway and a very, very, very small percentage, um, get to make a living at it. So it's a, it is a hard road, but if that's what your passion is, that's what you really want. My advice would be to, uh, first of all, build a, a, a big foundation of training. And I always say the wider and the stronger you build your foundation of training, the higher you can build your career. So in other words, if you want to be on Broadway, these days it, most people sing and dance and act. It used to be that you could be a great singer and not really dance and you'd be okay. Um, or you could be a great dancer and not really sing so well. And you could still, if you were a good enough dancer, you could still make it. But now there's the competition is such that you need to be good at all three. And you can't forget the acting part of it because that's, what, that's the basis for it all. But I would say build your training wide. Make sure you're paying attention to all three of those elements. And then um, take every opportunity that comes your way whether it's a, a skit at school or getting up at your church and singing or, uh, you know, community theater, all those elements um, benefit this, this foundation you're building so you're, you can actually build a career on top of it. Yeah, great advice, Robert. It's time to get an important word from our sponsors and then right back with more from Robert Creighton. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Seat Geek. Taking your kids to the ball game is one of the greatest experiences in all of fatherhood. And now, First Class Fatherhood has partnered with SeatGeek, and you could save $20 off your next ticket purchase by using the promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to go to a Broadway show, a concert. SeatGeek has the best prices for a wide variety of events. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. Get over to www.seatgeek.com and use the promo code First class to get $20 off your next ticket purchase. SeatGeek.com. All right. I know you're from Canada. Are there any aspects of growing up in Canada that you feel like your kids are missing out on by growing up here? I know it must seem silly to you that we just had a couple of inches of snow and they closed all the schools. Uh, but have the kids been to Canada? Do you still visit? Uh, do you have family members there and everything still? Yeah, they love going up there. Um, I'm the youngest of six kids. Uh, so they have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins up there, which we enjoy. Um, and my dad, uh, my dad's a small town family doctor, just retired at age 84 last year. Um, believe it or not, 56 years as a doctor up there. And they, they, uh, they love going up there. And my wife is from Buffalo. So as I said to her, that was really good on the resume because we go visit her family and then we just drive two more hours up to see mine. Um, but I'm getting them into, I will say, hockey was such a huge part of my life growing up. I mean, my first dream, Alec, was to be the goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That literally was what I wanted to do. But if you met me, I'm Cagney size, 5'6", in other words. And so that dream really wasn't happening, even though I was passionate about it. Um, but I am, I am excited that they're starting to get their skating now and getting exposed to that. And I think that's a real-life enhancer. Um, they know a lot about Canada. Uh, whenever they say the alphabet, um, they 
you know, when they were growing up, I would explain to them that, well, yes, it's Z, but we also say Z. Uh, <laughs> we have, my daughter and I are addicted to certain snacks that you can only get in Canada. So everyone who knows me knows to bring those particular all-dressed crispers, which you cannot get here. But that's her, um, my number one bribing tool for my daughter are all-dressed crispers, so they, I keep them in supply here. Um, they definitely know that they're both Canadian and American. And I, four years ago, four years ago this month, huh? Four years ago this month, I became a, a U.S. citizen as well. So I'm a dual citizen now. And, um, yeah. And I'm, I would say I'm very, I am a proud Canadian. Like I, I always say I'm so grateful that I can live here because this is where my dreams were housed. Like I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to live in New York. So my dreams were here and I'm grateful to be a part of this community and here where there's so much opportunity. But I am very proud to be a Canadian in, in, uh, I like how they, I like their place in the world as sort of a, a leader for inclusion and for, um, diversity and acceptance and all those things. I, I really, um, I'm, I'm proud of that part too. And, and certainly when it comes to sports, you know, the Olympics, uh, unless, unless, um, basically I'm a Canadian when it comes to sport. So <laughs> unless it's the NFL, I'm a Giants fan, but, um, yeah, the kids are definitely growing up with a sense that they belong to both. They sometimes talk about how the three of us are Canadian and mommy doesn't get to be Canadian yet, but, um, but yeah, they know, they know that they have both sides of it. Yeah, awesome. And I definitely have to reach out to some of the NHL guys. I haven't done that yet. I got to get some of them on the show here. Yeah, I've I've gotten to interact with a lot of hockey players through. Uh, when I was working up in Toronto one time, I ended up, I got on this little circuit of hosting, being like the MC for um, golf tournaments, for celebrity golf tournaments, uh, and hosted these NHL tournaments. And the guys were so much fun. I mean, just great guys. So you should get some hockey players on. Definitely. All right. We are both huge fans of James Cagney. You, of course, co-wrote, created, and starred in a musical about him. He's my favorite actor of all time. What was the origin of you doing this play, and what was the reception like? Is there still a a big market out there of people who are interested in seeing the old-time legends of the silver screen like James Cagney? Let me tell you something. One thing I didn't know, it was my personal passion to create this show. I did not know how many fans there are still out there. There are like five Cagney Facebook groups that are thriving and have people who are devotees of his movies and aficionados on all the details of his life, et cetera, et cetera. So there are those people. And although it's getting, you know, the timing is such that the people who are real fans of his are getting older unless they pass it along to their kids, you know, but one of the things I learned about, in creating a biographical musical is that you have to tell a story that people who come to see it, even if they're not fans of the, of Cagney himself, they can still relate to that story and be engaged with this man's journey. And I think we've really succeeded in that. That's something I'm really um, pleased with and proud of because people come who've never heard of Cagney and they get very emotionally involved with his journey through the world. And he was a guy who, stuck up for the little guy. He believed in justice. He supported causes that were, um, at the time, like he, he donated money to help the Scottsboro Boys, which were a group of young African-American men in uh, 
uh, can't remember where it was right now, but they got falsely accused of a crime and they needed defense and he paid for their defense. He um, supported the cotton pickers, striking cotton pickers in the San Joaquin Valley in their, you know, fight for their rights and things like that. He was the first vice president of the Screen Actors Guild when he was doing films at Warner Brothers, still making 400 bucks a week, but he was one of the biggest movie stars and his movies were making millions of dollars. Uh, and he literally walked out at the height of his career and said, that's not fair. And through a year-long court battle, he won, came back with script approval and making real money and all those things. So he he was a fighter for justice, didn't like bullies, stood up to Warner. Um, and when people come to the show, one of the things I'm so excited about bringing to Broadway now is because I – this is the way I've been talking about Cagney lately. I think all the best things about – the ideals of America are sort of personified in him and in his journey, growing up with nothing on the Lower East Side and then becoming, you know, one of the biggest screen legends of all time and the people he impacted along the way. And whether wherever you fall politically, I think people come out uplifted by this show um, and feeling like hopeful and uplifted. And that is why I think his story is very relevant now, whether you knew him from his 1930s films or not. Yeah, very well said. And his story is a great testimony to the possibilities available to everybody in America uh, that you can actually, you could come from nothing and make your way to the top of any profession that you choose through hard work, belief, and persistence. Um, Do you have a favorite James Cagney film? I know you're from Canada, maybe Captains of the Clouds or something like that. You know, they shot, I'll tell you one, relative to what you just said, they shot the Fighting 69th in uh, Canada and using the Royal Canadian Air Force. And Cagney was given buy them a bracelet. In fact, I'm talking to you in my bedroom. It's in my jewelry box right here. Uh, um, the uh, He's given a bracelet. I, I, I'm like we're on TV. I'm going to go get it out so you can see it. <laughs> um, but anyway, given a bracelet. And this woman from um, uh, New Hampshire bought it in an auction years and years and years ago. And she came to the show, uh, drove down, um, she'd been saving her money to come down to see the show. She read about it online, et cetera. She came down, and at the end of the show, she was waiting, and she was, like, in tears, giving me the biggest hug, and she said, I want you to have this. I've, I've had it for 20 years. Told me the whole backstory of it and gave it to me, and, and I, I cherish it. But it, they, the Air Force gave it to Cagney. She got it at an auction somehow and then gave it to me after the show and said, thank you for telling his story. But to answer your question... It's it's a tough one. Yankee Doodle Dandy, everyone's got to see it. One of the greatest movies of all time. If that doesn't lift you up and and at the same time make you know what a what a phenomenally incredible dynamic actor Cagney was, there's nothing that will. Yankee Doodle Dandy, The Roaring Twenties. You seen that one, Alex? That's one of my major favorites. He did with Humphrey Bogart. Eddie Bogart. that one. Yeah, because he's in, in, all in the same movie. He's funny. He's tough. He's romantic. He's he's everything in that movie, and I love it. Um, Angels with Dirty Faces, of course. Uh, you know, and then, like you say, there's some of the little obscure. I love Taxi, um, where he's speaking Yiddish all the time. He was so proud of the fact that he was the only Gentile Screen Actors Guild member who was fluent in Yiddish. He was very yeah. proud of that. <laughs> I'll tell you what's surprising to me, Robert, is that he only did one film with the great Edward G. Robinson. It was a little-known film called Smart Money, which is a great movie. Boris Karloff is in it as well. I'm just amazed that the studios never paired Robinson and Cagney together again. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 wonder, I wonder about that, too. I wonder if they wanted to keep their 
personas separate, you know, because sometimes they get, um, I mean, you and I don't because we know, but people who are on the periphery of those older films, they get them confused sometimes, you know. Maybe they, maybe at the time they were, they had some similarities, so they, they wanted to keep them apart. I don't know. Yeah, I can go on and on here about James Cagney and all his films. I know you can as well. Uh, listen, you've had so much success. You've made it to Broadway. What's coming up next for you? What kind of goals do you have for yourself for the future? Well, um, first of all, my next big push is to bring Cagney to a Broadway theater. Because every time we've done it, the, the word of mouth ha- is such that and people leave so uplifted and they tell their friends, you got to see this show. I feel like if we can get it to a Broadway theater where there's 900 people seeing it a night and going to tell their friends the same thing that will happen when we were doing it in a theater where there were 200 people or 250 people going out and telling their friends. Um, so my big push right now is to get that to a Broadway theater, and I think we're going to do it. And then for me personally, as I said, and as it relates to what we're talking about today, being a, being a father, um, I'm in a career where doing eight shows a week is – you know, it's my passion and I love it. And, but ultimately five years from now, I don't want to be doing Broadway all the time as my only source of providing for my family. So I'm really, because I don't want to be that, I want to coach literally and I want to coach the hockey team and I want to um, do those things. So my, my big push at the same time is to get into more TV and film so I can have um, a little more flexibility, have weekends, have uh, the ability to still make a good living doing what I love, but have more time to be a, be a dad. So that's my, uh, my five-year plan is to move into something like that. And I'm doing more writing as well. I mean, I have Cagney now, which is great. And after we get it to Broadway, it will go into the world and other people will do it. And that'll be, that'll be wonderful. And I want to create, write more things like that. So those are the, those are sort of the next steps for me. Awesome. All right. Let's get Cagney on Broadway. That would be so cool. Um, Last thing I'm going to hit you with here, Robert, I'd love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Yeah, gosh. That's a whole nother. We could talk for the same amount of time about that stuff, I guess. Well, one of the things is, and I'm into it now with my kids, when things, and you can say it to yourself too as a dad, is it a big problem or a little problem? I think that is what I would say. Just remember that question because I ask it when something seems very dramatic to my five- or seven-year-old, like the world is coming to an end and there's a meltdown happening. I say, now, I understand you're upset about that, but is it a big problem or a little problem, really? And, um, you know, the same thing you can say to yourself when you have a new child or you're about to have a child and you're stressed about things or, uh, you know, and you don't have don't feel prepared or whatever or or something happens and you're you say to yourself is it a big problem a little problem 90% of the time 95% of the time the answer is in the big picture it's a little problem so it's not worth the um stress or anxiety that you might give it you say hey this is something I can get through it's a little problem there are big problems of course and health issues that you have to address in a major way but um but generally there's a lot of things that you think in the moment are a big problem, but if you step back and say, is this a big problem or a little problem? The answer is often it's a little problem, and it might help you move through it a little more easily. Great advice. This has been a lot of fun. Robert Creighton, I have to say thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time, and I have to tell you that not only do I thank you, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. 
Oh, I love it, man. I love it. And, and Alec, when we get to Broadway, I want you there opening night, brother. Come on. No doubt. I will definitely be there. I pray that you do make it happen. I would love nothing more than to bring my family to New York City to watch Cagney on Broadway. So best of luck to you with that. Great. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to wrap things up in just a minute here. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Robert Creighton for giving me a few minutes of his time here. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Please get over to Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. And for those of you who stuck around to the end here for the announcement, in honor of next week's Bachelor finale, one of the guests that I'm going to have is going to be Trista's pick on the first ever Bachelorette. Ryan Sutter will be joining me here next week for a special edition of First Class Fatherhood. So please lock it in for that one. You may want to tell your wife about that. I know my wife is a little bananas for both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Uh, So if that's your thing, Ryan Sutter is a first class father. So he he gives a great interview. He's got an awesome story. So don't miss out on that. And we're going to close out the week with a bang tomorrow. It's a Frogman Friday. We got former Navy SEAL Chad Williams joining us here on the podcast. So Tune it in. Spread this podcast around to every father in your neighborhood. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>